The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. If you're uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across the uh, Big Blue View Radio network, please subscribe there as well. Drop us a rating or a comment if you can. We always appreciate the feedback. And uh, on today's show, as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. We're trying to bring you guys some different perspectives on the draft and on what your New York Giants might do. And I'm joined today by Nathan Cooper of Sports Info Solutions. Nathan, thank you very, very much for uh, for the time today. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Ed. Thanks for having me. So let's start. I'm sure that you know most people, most NFL fans, most uh, you know most people who who follow the draft. I'm sure that. That they've heard of of Sports Info Solutions, but maybe don't know a whole lot about what you guys do. So why don't you just give me the uh, give me the, the 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 short version of uh, of what you guys do over at SIS? Yeah, uh, we actually started as a baseball company back in 2002. Um, you know, with Bill James and John Dewan. Uh, and then in 2015, 2016, uh, really got into the football side of things, uh, more the analytics side. Um, but the last few years, we've really kind of uh, dove into the scouting side as well. Um, and our website, uh, you know, for the first few years, uh, for anybody that uh, got our draft guide, it was a, you know, hard, uh, a book. And, and now it's, you know, kind of worked its way into a website. Uh, so kind of our own draft site. And the cool thing about this is we've kind of let everybody be the, you know, their own GM. Um, you know, we write scouting reports, but we'll also go on and, uh, you know, put a lot of the metrics and the analytics for the different teams, the players and all that as well. So, you know, every player page that you go to, you're going to get a scouting report, but you're also going to get tons of leaderboard uh, stats and rankings compared to everybody else at that position who's uh, in the draft as well. Uh, you're going to get tons of, of cool stuff on the player pages uh, in terms of, of the metrics uh, and the, of the team pages in terms of the metrics uh, and the analytics from this past season, how they stacked up against uh, the, the rest of the teams um, draft order, the rookie additions they got last year, uh, and then all of their free agent, uh, you know, additions and departures as well. So it's a really cool tool. You can kind of get everything together um, and, and kind of make your own informed opinion as well. Um, and one of the cool things as well that we started last year, 
uh, on the site for each of the team pages is the sonar depth charts where you can click on any of the positions and get basically a depth chart um, of who's in there at each position, um, the total points per game ranking. So it kind of gives you like a, a heat map of uh, of your position. So like, hey, these these positions are good. These positions are, are maybe some positions to look at for the draft. Absolutely. And that is that is publicly available these days, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So this is at nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. So, yeah, we're actually adding, uh, you know, more players and more scouting reports uh, every day up to draft week. So we have about 300 players on there right now uh, and, and expecting another 50 or 75 uh, to go up over the next couple of weeks. And you've been there. You're you're you've got a scouting background yourself, right? I think uh, various various places, including, I think, uh, the Cleveland Browns for a little while. Yeah. So, you know, I love football growing up, uh, obviously, you know, played it uh, in high school, played it in college. Uh, and then after that, just kind of bounced around trying to get as much experience as possible. Uh, went out and worked with UNLV for a season out there, uh, worked uh, with a couple of arena football teams uh, in some scouting and personnel roles. And then, yeah, I was with the the Browns kind of doing an external uh, scouting type of thing with them for a, one of the draft cycles. So uh, coming in with that, obviously I had you know, a, a lot more of a, a scouting background. We come in, you know, to an analytics company and kind of started to mesh uh, a little bit of that together over the last few years. Nice, nice. It's a it's an excellent tool, folks. If you're if you're not familiar with it, you'll find some uh, some information, some data points that uh, that might help you make some decisions about who you like and who you don't actually like uh, at, at some of the positions in the draft. Hey, let's. Let's begin to actually talk about the 2023 draft a little bit. And as I'm talking to you, we're recording on Tuesday. And and as it happens, ESPN's Mel Kuyper's out with his latest mock draft today. And my jaw practically hit the floor as I read this draft for the simple reason that I see a player drafted to the Giants at 25 who I haven't seen drafted in the first round anywhere yet, you know, f- forget being drafted to the Giants. And I see a center who the the mainstream, the the consensus thinking is there's no way that John Michael Schmitz is going to be available at 57. And in Kuiper's mock, he goes to the Giants at 57. The guy that went to the Giants at 25 is DJ Turner, cornerback out of Michigan. And as you just go through Kuiper's two rounds, I see player after player in places where the the group think, the consensus think, doesn't think they'll be. And I guess my point is the draft is, is so incredibly unpredictable that is any of that surprising to you or is it just an indication that as much as we think we know, we probably don't know anything about the draft? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. I think that's a lot of it, especially, you know, as we get a little bit closer, so many smoke screens and different things that happen every single year. Um, and, you know, when we get to the draft, there, there's obviously certain fits that people have had for months that ends up happening. And then there's also these guys that nobody thought, you know, was going to be in the first round. Like you mentioned, you know, with Turner, we could say, you know, Cole strange last year, not many people had uh, him in the first round. He goes in the first round to the Patriots. Um, and it's not to say that these guys, you know, are bad and nobody thought that, you know, they're going to, you know, first round material going in leading up to the draft. Uh, I think it's, it, a lot of it's scheme fit. A lot of it's, you know, what's on certain teams boards. 
uh, especially, you know, if you're looking at a cer certain position, you know, maybe above that scheme fit doesn't work. Uh, maybe there's some injuries or character issues that nobody knows about. Uh, little things like that, that, you know, these guys are diving into for three, four or five years uh, into these backgrounds. So maybe there's a little bit of that as well. Um, and honestly, you know, most of the time, if you're taking a guy that hasn't been, you know, in that mainstream, it's just because the, the mainstream media isn't, you know, isn't really high on this guy. Maybe we're higher on the other five guys uh, at the position. So it's not surprising. Um, and, you know, there, every year there's there's always a couple of surprises that we get to the draft that, you know, we weren't expecting for a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of months leading up to it. Uh, so, yeah, I could see it either way. A lot of smoke screens happening. But uh, at this time, you know, we're getting closer. It, it probably makes sense to throw a few surprises in there because it'll probably happen draft night. Sure. And the one thing that I always try to tell people, we use a big board that that Chris Flum and, and Nick Filato will put together here in the next week or so and and post at Big Blue View. And we use a dual access big board, horizontal and vertical. And and I think what happens is a lot of fans get attached to these top 100 big boards, top 150 big boards. And and, you know, as well as I do. That's not how NFL teams do the draft. They may they may build a big board, but they build it going two different ways. They build it in groups, and and it just doesn't work that way. It's they're not going down the list and saying, "Well, he's player number one," and you know we're pick at number twenty five, and that's pick that's player number twenty five. So that's our guy. That's not how it works. Correct. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Um, and you know, for us, you know we're trying to you know set up a, a draft site thinking of 32 teams and it, it's hard to know what 100 or 150 are going to be on every team's draft board because like you said every team is going to have their own you know draft board of 150 or so players and if you combined all 32 teams you know draft boards you're talking thousands of different players just because, you know, a lot of those guys at the bottom are probably those priority free agent types that, you know, those scheme fits that, you know, they're probably not draftable, but these are the guys that we want to get in here and, you know, see how they're going to compete in camp. Um, so, it, yeah, it's interesting, you know, looking from our board to another team's board to another team's board, it's going to be completely different across the board. Right. And we might see 300 players profiled, you know, at sports info solutions or, Right now, you know, Dane Brugler put out his draft guide with more than 400 guys profiled at this point. NFL teams aren't going to go into the draft with 400 guys on their board. No. They're going to know which 150, which 200 guys they think fit what they do, uh, have the the character that they want, and, and go from those guys. So it, it's interesting. And I guess what I wanted to ask you about, I get questions all the time about Joe Shane. And about the fact that a year ago, you get beyond his first and second picks of Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. And people say, well, well, what was he doing? Because most of his picks were not guys that were that would have been consensus picks at that spot. Mm -hmm. and, and and I think, and just let me know what you think of this. I think the answer is twofold. I think once again, it's an example of. NFL teams thinking differently about players than maybe the mainstream media does. And the other part of that is it's difficult for a guy who gets a job at the end of January is working with front office people. He's not familiar with scouts. He's not familiar with. 
it's it's difficult to know you know whose whose opinions whose reports you can trust and i think what joe simply did was trust his own scouting instincts and you know and and how he saw individual players just your thoughts on on those things yeah i mean i think a lot of it you kind of have to take a little bit of both <clears throat> obviously when you're coming in you know you probably have an idea of the players beforehand um but then also you're coming into a staff like you said that you don't know about but you can't just completely discount every everyone because you have to you know gain a rapport with these guys because you're going to be working with them beyond this year. So uh, even if there's a little bit of turnover here and there, a lot of these guys are probably going to be in there, and um, you know they've been doing the work. Like I said, you know the, a lot of these scouts are following these guys for their entire career. Uh, you know as long as they're in those same regions, they're following them the entire career. So they have you know these notes and reports on these guys for three, four, five years. Um, so I think, you know, you, you have to take a little bit of both. You got to, you know, a little bit about some guys like, hey, if this guy's here, you know, later in the draft, I want to, I want this guy. But then also, you know, ask your, your scouts and, and, you know, bring them into the fold a little bit. So I know that, you know, there's some teams that will bring the scouts in to, uh, you know, to the draft rooms on draft night. And everyone has a little bit of consensus. Everyone has a little bit of say. And then there's other teams that, you know, it's just the GM, the head coach and, you know, a couple of guys and then that's it. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the situation there. But then, you know, obviously if, if you're starting, you know, you're starting, you just have, have a couple months under your belt, obviously take the guys that you want to take, but then also, you know, hear it out from everyone else because these are guys you're going to be working with for a while. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the positions of interest to the Giants, uh, some of the players of interest to the Giants. And, and I actually want to start at the center position. In, uh, in in Kuiper's mock on Tuesday, he had John Michael Schmitz going to the Giants at 57. Um, a lot of the, the consensus of opinion these days is that Schmitz might go to the Giants at 25. And yet there's an argument, is Schmitz the best center? Is Joe Tipman the best center in the draft? Um, where I want to start with you is... Looking at the analytics, looking at the value, um, is is center even what you would consider a value position late in the first round, a position that that really a team should be looking at, or or is it or is it better at, at center, you know, to wait and pick what you might consider to be a higher priority position at that point? I think it, I mean, it depends on, on the needs and, and the best player available, obviously, whenever you're getting to that point. But you look over the last couple of years, you know, Tyler Linderbaum, Creed Humphrey, these guys, I, I think everyone overthought it. And, you know, these guys were, especially Humphrey, Humphrey goes in the middle of the second round. This guy's a first round guy. Like, you, you know, if, if you really think that he's that good, you know, don't worry about, you know, the arm length. Don't worry about, you know, some of this other stuff. If the guy can play, he's going to be able to play. Um, and obviously with these two guys, we've really noticed that the last couple of years, these guys have dominated uh, and are, are worth maybe that middle to late first round selection. So um, obviously, no, it's not the, the value pick. It's not the, the corner, the edge, the, uh, the quarterback type of position. Uh, but whenever you're talking late in the first round, especially for the top center, if, if we have a couple of centers that are really good in the draft, I think you go with it. If, the, if that's definite need and that's, you know, some of the, 
the guys that are in that best player available position because yeah, John Michael Schmitz and Tittman, those are our top two uh, centers on our board and Schmitz we have ranked at 14. Um, you know, so he's, he's pretty high up there. He's, he's a heck of a player. Now, does that mean he should go in the top half of the first round? No, but 25, I think makes a little bit more sense. I was going to ask you just for your thoughts on, uh, on Schmitz and Tippmann in general. I know you have, uh, you have Schmitz ranked at 14, as you said, uh, I'm scrolling right now. Where do you guys have Tippmann ranked, uh, ranked where? We have him at thirty-five overall. Thirty-five, yeah. Just give me, just give me thoughts on uh, on those two guys and and how you might project their uh, their NFL futures. Yeah, two. I mean, obviously, you know, the Big Ten they they churn out offensive linemen uh, just about every year. So two big time, big time, uh, Big Ten centers here. Schmitz, you know, when you watch Minnesota's offense. It's very, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, consistency with it. You're obviously looking at, at a lot of RPOs, a lot of heavy runs. They'll they'll line up seven, eight guys on the line, getting four point stances, and, and just, you know, basically grind out a few yards here and there. Uh, not many teams do that outside of, you know, your service academies and stuff. So Schmidt's super strong guy, sturdy base, um, has the 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 size and the strength that you're looking for there. Um, you know, at, at six, four, 300 pounds. So one of those guys that, you know, he's very technically sound, very solid in terms of, of what he brings. Uh, so he's a guy that I think, you, you know, you bring him in and you, you plug him in, obviously, you know, just like any rookie, he may have a little bit uh, of a learning curve, but I think for his, it, it's pretty minimal there. So I think uh, a guy like that is just, it's hard to come by a guy that, you know, is technically sound, super strong um, because the last few years we've been talking, like I mentioned with, with Humphrey and uh, and Linderbaum, we're talking about some of these smaller type of centers too. So these guys that may be a little bit shorter, not as stout as some of these. Whereas you know a guy like you know Schmitz, he's you know one of those big bulky guys that that really is going to hold well in the set in the middle of, of the offensive line. Uh, and Tittman, another guy that you know feel really good about, and he's even bigger. You know you're looking six six, three hundred and thirteen pounds with him. Um, you know, the hand use obviously is really important with the, the centers, uh, getting that snap back and getting them up quick. So you're looking at quick, strong hands with him, very flexible as well. Um, and, and he moves well for his size. So, you know, obviously some of these bigger guys maybe not move too well with Tipman, He moves really well um, and can kind of work, you know, whether it's that zone or gap scheme as well. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the wide receiver class a little bit. And I see that you have, uh, you know, you have several of these guys, you know, if you go just by vertical ranking, you have a lot of these guys ranked um, actually above 25, you know, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, uh, you have Zay Flowers, you have, you know, Quentin Johnston, um, I know you have, uh, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, and, but there's, you know, there's, there's a mix of opinion about this wide receiver class. I mean, you know, how, how do you guys see that class and, and how many of these guys you actually think might go in the first round? Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about it the other day, overall, there's probably not as many when we're looking at the number three guys and up. Um, and that's basically, you, you know, six, seven grades and up for receiver for basically for every position. These are the guys that these could be potential number one, number two receivers. Um, and these are your high end three down starter type players. Uh, when you get to the six, four, it's kind of a drop off there because we're also working vertically uh, and horizontally, you know, across the board here. 
Um, you drop down to a six, four, these are your more of your slot receivers, your number three types. Maybe they can play inside and outside. Um, but these are more your number three receivers. So, you know, we were talking and honestly, this may be the year that we have the least amount of six, four and up receivers that we've had in, you know, four or five years. Um, a lot of guys that we've been ranking, I think we're close to about 50 receivers on the site right now. Uh, and most of these guys are in that five, nine, five, eight range, which are, number four, number five type of back end of the, of the roster receivers who have special teams ability as well. Um, so we don't have many guys who are in that six, seven uh, and above. We just have five guys. Whereas, you know, previously you're, you're looking, maybe we'll have a seven. Oh, maybe we'll have a six, nine, but Smith and Jigba is our number one at six, eight. And then we've got four guys at six, seven. So we think these guys are really good. We think these guys by year two, are going to be, you know, that possibly number two, maybe work their way into number one type receivers. Um, but when you look at this draft, I think maybe, maybe you could get two or three in the first round. I think there's a lot of mock drafts out there that are throwing, you know, basically all five of these guys uh, in there. You could also include guys like Jalen Hyatt as well, uh, who we have as our, our top six, four. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are going in that back half of the first round but you're, I think you're discounting the fact that there's a lot of edge rushers in this class. There's a lot of tight ends in this class. You know, if, if you're bumping some of these guys in, some guys are going to have to bump out. And I think the receiver class makes sense uh, to kind of bump into that second round range. But I mean, Smith and Jigba, I think is, is probably a lock, even though obviously he barely played last year. Um, I think he's probably a lock in the first Quint Johnston's probably a lock. And then you can kind of go any way you want, you know, whether it's Flowers, Downs, Addison, Hyatt. I think one, maybe two can get in there. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, the other guys are probably going to slide uh, towards the, the beginning of the, of the second round. Well, which makes, which makes uh, day two, which makes receivers on day two a value pick. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of, you know, we have a, a, a few guys, you look at the top 10, maybe the top 12 or so, um, you know, really solid players. But then you you kind of get a drop off and you're you're seeing everything from maybe 10 to 12 through the back end of the first round. There's not much difference there. So I think, uh, you know, when you get to that second round, this is where a lot of the value is going to be coming uh, the second and third round uh, this year. A lot of the value across the board uh, will probably be on day two. You're talking about not just about wide receiver. You're talking about the draft in general. Both. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. receiver and the draft in general. I think there's a lot of guys. Uh, on day two, we're really going to come in and make an impact. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Give me, uh, you know, since we're talking mostly wide receiver right now, just give me a couple of uh, a couple of the guys 
your second round, maybe third round that you think might, you know, might be real good value plays for a team like the Giants? Yeah. I mean, I think maybe a guy like Cedric Tillman, I, I like Cedric Tillman coming out of Tennessee. Um, obviously it depends, you know, if Hyatt goes in the first round, then that probably bumps up Tillman a little bit, maybe late two, early three. Uh, if Hyatt doesn't go in the first and he's more of a second round guy, I think that's a, a solid spot for him. Um, you know, talking Hyatt first, you know, looking at that Tennessee offense, it kind of brings out the, the big time traits in some of these guys, uh, Hyatt, you know, I, I think he was a little bit of a benefit from that offense, but I also don't think they used him the way that they probably should have used him. Uh, so he's got the speed, he's got enough size, probably better in the slot, but eventually he's going to be able to work your way, you know, to play outside and inside. Um, and, and, you know, I think he's going to be a guy who could work really well in the giants, uh, system. And then Tillman is another guy, you know, if you, if you have Hyatt going a little too early, a guy like Tillman in the third round, uh, you know, six, three, two thirteen, big body guy, uh, you know, makes uh, tons of contested catches as well. Um, doesn't have the, the, the home run speed and the, the separation that you like to see. Um, but I think some of it is from Tennessee's offense. He's running curls, you know, a quarter or a third of the time. So I think you get into an NFL offense, you get him running an NFL route tree. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that come out. Um, it, you look at his 21, 2021 tape, uh, and then obviously what he did in 2022 before he got hurt. Um, this is a solid receiver. And I think he brings that ability that, uh, you know, he can work in as a number three, can play outside, can play inside, uh, and then also, you know, eventually develop maybe even into your number two receiver as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm really curious to see how the Giants do this, whether they go wide receiver in round one. I think uh, if you look at what the Giants did in, in free agency um, and, and the way that they're set up, I'm curious if you agree with this. I mean, there are there are quote unquote, obvious areas of where they could improve. But but come the first couple rounds of the draft, they could do just about anything. I think they could yeah. justify just about anything. I agree. I, and I think that's a good position to be in. I think, you know, you're in the position to where you're not stuck selecting one or two positions because then if those positions are gone, then you're trying to reach and things like that. Uh, obviously, you know, you want to work need into best player available as well. If you really need a couple positions, obviously, if there's guys there, go for it. Um, but I think where some teams kind of get in trouble is just drafting by need every year. Uh, and then you kind of get into this routine where, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, you have a couple positions that are lacking. You have these free agents leaving. Um, whereas I think some of these smarter teams draft the best player available. If he works into your plans in a couple years, great. If not, maybe trade him and, and kind of work from there. So. Yeah, I think it's a really good position to to have a few different positions across the board that you can go. Um, and, and yeah, I think what we talked about in terms of the interior offensive line, the receivers, the corners, I think any of those positions would be great if, if some of those top end guys are there at 25. Yeah, I'm just curious what you think about this. I get I get comments, I get emails all the time. Don't you think the Giants need this position in round one and that position in round two and this position in round three and they should take a guy at this position in round four? And I tell people all the time, it doesn't work that way because, you know, a guy you may not uh, – if you want a wide receiver in round one, maybe there isn't a guy there that you really want. Maybe there's mm -hmm. six guys at other positions that you like better. Um you know, that sort of paint by numbers position A in round one, it just doesn't work that way. No. And 
you would love it to, you know, if this guy's there, great, take him. You know, if this guy's there, great, take him. But, you know, as we talked about before, the draft doesn't always shake out that way. Um, and you, you kind of have to be open to a couple different things. You kind of have to be open to maybe taking that best player because if the draft doesn't shake out the way that you want it to, now, like you said, you know, maybe there's not – you don't want to take a guy in the first round that maybe is is going to be available in the second or third round uh, just because you're trying to take that position. So – uh, you know, you would love it to work out that way if if everything, you know, flows like you want it to. But usually that doesn't happen on draft night. Right. And I th- I think the other thing, you know, you, you've been around the NFL long enough to understand that that what you think your needs are in April might not be actually what you need in September or October. Exactly. Yeah, I, so. I think. You you have to, it's one thing whenever you're, uh, you know, whenever you're going through the process of rebuilding and things like that. And even if you're, you're really good teams, obviously you're, you're looking for starters whenever you're drafting in, in, you know, the first round, second round, but you also have to think about the future. You have to think about what, who are my free agents next year and the year after that? Can I draft a guy now? Maybe he's not going to get a ton of playing time as a rookie, but he's going to start to factor in a couple years down the road. And I think some teams, fall into a sense where like, Hey, we need this right now. And then they're kind of stuck, you know, whether, like you said, September comes around or even, you know, the, a year down the road as well. So you you don't want to draft backups. You don't want to draft just special teams guys, you know, in, in early in the draft, but you also have to look at guys and, and how your, your team's going to look two or three years down the road and not in April, not just in September as well. Speaking of that, the giants have an interesting situation with Saquon Barkley. He's on the franchise tag. We don't know if they're ever going to come to a long-term agreement. There seems to be a a fairly significant difference of opinion on what his value is. You're sitting there on day two. You're Joe Shane. You've got your GM hat on. I want you to bang the table for which running back you're drafting on day two that you think could be be a long-term replacement. I mean – Obviously, you know, Bijan's the, the top guy. I don't think he gets there on day two. I think I, I don't think he's going to go as high as some of these, you know, teams, uh, you know, or could possibly take him. But I think back half of the first round makes some sense. Jameer Gibbs is a solid guy. He probably goes a little bit before uh, where the Giants are going to draft on on in the second round. So from there, we're looking at, at guys like Devon A. Shane from uh, Texas A&M. He's our number three guy. We don't see him. It's a little bit of a drop off from Bijan to Gibbs, and then a little bit of a drop off from Gibbs to A Shane. Um, so right now, we feel like you know he's a solid uh, you know runner as of right now. Still has a little bit to develop in terms of the passing game. So we don't have him as that three down starter uh, you know by year two, but he has the traits to develop that. Obviously, has the speed, um, has that natural athleticism and stuff as well, uh, and big time upside. So I think he would be a solid guy. Um, a little bit more, you know, smaller, uh, it not, you know, as, as thick and compact uh, as maybe the next couple of guys. You look at, you know, Zach Charbonnet, uh, Roshan Johnson as well. Roshan Johnson probably a little early, but Charbonnet I could definitely see going there more, you know, more of the bigger, thicker back, um, you know, similar to what Saquon is, you know, six foot 214 there. Uh, big, strong, has the patience, has the vision. Again, not that three down guy by year two. Um, but has enough traits there that he's going to come in, be a solid runner uh, for you, and, and then have to develop a little bit of the passing game those first couple of years uh, to eventually work into the starting level player. 
All right, let me ask you about one more position before I let you go. Uh, the Giants have have made it obvious this offseason that they really want to upgrade their run defense, that they really want to upgrade their depth along their defensive line. And we, we know who the top couple of guys are at the defensive line, the guys who might be available you know, around 25 for the Giants, can't see from Pitt, you know, Brian Bressy. But but I'm curious, uh, you know, if you're just if you're talking about, you know, rotational guys, guys you can add, you know, later in the draft that can provide some some value along the defensive line. Can you give me some names to watch for? Yeah, one uh, Tui Tu Pelotu out of uh, USC, guy that we watched, you know, early in the season and, and kind of watched throughout the the um, you know duration of the season and in the, in the uh, pre-draft process as well. Just his versatility. I think the versatility is is key with him. A guy that we have you know labeled as more of an edge type player, but really, if you want to, you can you can make him an edge in a three four. You can stand him up in a four in a uh, a three four as well. You can make him the D end in four three. You can reduce him down. He even played a little bit of Mike linebacker. So a guy that's versatile like that and who's going to come in and actually be productive across the, the entire defensive line. That's a guy I think day two to look for would be a great uh, option there. And a guy that I like. Uh, you know he fits more of that three four outside linebacker type mold. But Byron Young out of Tennessee. This guy extremely athletic. Uh, you know, obviously not the size that you're you're looking for. Six two two fifty, so he's a little undersized. Not going to really hold and set the edge as much. But this guy's an energizer bunny. He's extremely athletic, can move around all over parts of the field. But he's gonna he's gonna work his way to the quarterback, um, work his way to the ball carrier in the run game. So a guy that you know, again, he's not going to be able to set the edge as well. But you kind of move him around and let him just use his motor, use his his relentlessness, his explosion, his range. He's going to work his way, you know, to the ball carrier, to the quarterback. Um, and a guy that I really liked a lot. So I think those two guys, you know, in terms of what they could possibly bring in terms of the motor, the the versatility, a couple of guys across the defensive line there that I think could be huge upgrades. Actually, one last thing for you. Um, we talk about surprises. We talk about. You know, we talked about the Kuiper, the Kuiper mock a little bit. Um, throw a throw a surprise name at me early in the draft for the Giants if, if you've got one. I mean, I think corner makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked uh, at a guy. You know, if, if Porter falls there, or maybe a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, where obviously Forbes he's not the bigger type guy, maybe kind of that Adoree Jackson type of build, you know, 6'1", but super skinny. Um, but he's got the instincts, the coverage ability. He's got everything that you want and still plays physical, still plays press uh, and, and plays strong. So obviously you get to the next level and you see a little bit of, of growth. You see a little bit of development in his body. I think he's going to work his way into being one of the top corners in this class. And, and this is a really good class of corners. Um, right now we have him as our number four corner, but I think that could be a guy – who, if he doesn't go in the first round, I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be upset about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Nathan, I really appreciate the time. Uh, why don't you let people know where they can find you on uh, social media, where they can follow uh, Sports Information Solutions work and, and all that stuff before I let you go. 
Yeah, absolutely. So our draft site is nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. Uh, you could also go to sportsinfosolutions.com, see some of the other articles and work that we do, uh, obviously through the baseball side, football and basketball. Uh, we also have a bunch of, uh, you know, career opportunities in terms of, uh, you know, we're hiring uh, for live data analysts across all of the uh, college football stadiums currently. Uh, we'll have our fall seasonal position that will be going up here in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, and then, you know, on, on Twitter, uh, I'm at NCoopDraft. Uh, and then uh, our uh, Sports Info Solutions uh, Twitter account in terms of the football side is football underscore SIS. So tons of, of stuff you know, going up you know, basically between here and the draft. A lot of, a lot of good stuff going up. So uh, be on the lookout for it. All right. Thank you very, very much for the time. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.